0: I think freaking Paramus, New Jersey is a destination, dude. I mean, if, if you make it one, I don't, I think that's totally overrated, dude. I'm like, uh, a little, like I'm, I'm losing it on some of the shit that's going on. Like, I mean, I've been guiding for 25 years. Okay. Um, I mean, I've been a few places and I'm not, am I the most, I'm a, I'm like, you know, uh, president of the, uh, Overeducated guide anglers club, you know, like slacker.
1: That was Rachel Finn sharing her opinion on the destination fly fishing craze and the effects of social media. The more of these I do, the better it gets. This is episode number 72 of the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show. Welcome to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show, where you discover tips, tricks, and tools from the leading names in fly fishing today. We'll help you on your fly fishing journey with classic stories covering steelhead fishing, fly tying, and much more. How's it going, everyone? Thanks for stopping by the Fly Fishing Show. Today's episode is sponsored by the Wet Fly Swing Member Society. The Member Society provides exclusive discounts and access to innovative products and services from our member partner companies. Head over to wetflyswing.com slash members to check out some of the companies who are on board, plus you can support the show at one convenient location. Today's episode, I talked to Rachel Finn, the head guide at the Hungry Trout on the Osable River. We talk about which people need shot callers, the tackle shop that was similar to the tackle shop I grew up in on the opposite end of the country, and what the hang is all about rachel shares a few great stories about lefty cray including some ketchup tips big herb and his stogies and sympathy for the devil don't miss this one as rachel breaks the current wet fly swing record for language in an episode so without further ado here's rachel finn how's it going rachel
0: pretty good dave how are you today
1: good good yeah it's, it's good to have you on here i've got um Definitely. I know you've got a good background. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about it on, on email, you know, fish in Alaska and, and around the country. But, you know, I mm-hmm. think we're going to dig into some of the stuff you've done back um, on the Asabo. And I guess maybe we could talk before we get into the species and things like that. You cover, you know, I, I know we just chatted about this, you know, as far as th- not going too deep into your background. But maybe you oh, can it's uh, all good. give us a quick little, like, just kind of where how you got started, where you're at, and then just how you came up to become the head guide of, of the, your current fly shop.
0: Okay. Uh, well, um, let's just say this. I'm 57 years old. So I grew up in suburban Boston, Newton, Massachusetts. I'm actually sitting there today, not in Newton, but I'm close by. I'm visiting my family and uh, grew up here. Very typical, uh, you know, American suburban experience. I did go to summer camp. Uh, nobody in my family fished. But I was experience, uh, experienced and exposed to some uh, fishing, not fly fishing as a kid, a little bit, and I liked it. And then uh, maybe 30 years went by, and, and uh, no, 20 years rather, and uh, a friend of mine, my current uh, partner husband, uh, showed me how to fly fish when I was probably i don't know my late 20s i was an athlete uh growing up and in school uh college played three varsity sports for four years and blah 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 all team sports and when i got out of school i really didn't uh know what to do you know i was kind of like now what do i do man so i got really uh i'm a little obsessive which is sort of a double negative right there and i uh Got into windsurfing, like, big time, man. And I was all over the place, you know, just not all over the place, but anything I could afford, which was basically the Northeast. And, uh, yeah, blah, 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 blah. I ended up having a back injury. And I was sort of first time in my life kind of sidelined, you know. And Jeff was like, okay, I was up visiting him. I was living in New York City because I'm an artist, you know. And uh, I went to school and – Got a graduate degree from Yale and and moved to New York City to seek fame and fortune, you know, to be a famous artist. And meanwhile, I got my ass kicked. But uh, but it was great. I wouldn't trade it for the world. But I, I, in between, then I would go up to the Adirondacks because he lived up there, and I hurt my back windsurfing. And I'm like, oh man, what am I gonna do? And he's like, well, why don't you go fly fishing? And uh, I was like, oh, you know, and this is right when the movie had come out. Definitely. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that looks cool. You know, up to that point, man, I was fishing. I was like the book reading girlfriend. I, I, I can't even believe I, I say that now because he, he's been fishing his whole life, you know, and fly learned to fly fish very young. But when we were together back then, he would basically troll like Lake Clear wobblers, you know, spoons and 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 worms and stuff, and we'd, you know, go all flat water, no river fishing. And I was kind of like, well, what's so great about this, man? You know, I don't really get it, you know. And but the minute I got in a river, I was like, oh, I get this, you know, this is awesome. And uh, from that moment on, I was, you know,
1: yeah, just smitten. That's it. That's it. So yeah, man. That's cool. So, uh, so Brad Pitt kind of did it again. To, <laughs> took another, uh, grabbed Well, <laughs> it was a little more than just Brad Pitt, but um, yeah. I'd like to think
0: Robert Redford really, because I'm I'm older, you know. I'm like he's my you know bohunk hunk. That's right. But uh, Brad Pitt is is no slouch either. But but yeah, that was right around that time. So there was actually a cultural sort of sway in that direction as well. And then, you know, here I am in New York City trying to do the art thing. And I had, you know, tons of education, no skills, uh, that were marketable, you know, so I had all these funky jobs. You know, I was an artist assistant or I, I was like painting fire escapes. I mean, I lived in this great loft building, you know, and then all of a sudden I got a job at a fly shop in New York. And that was where I kind of got, you know, sucked into the vortex, you know, and then after, and then I would go to the Adirondacks for the summer to visit Jeff because he was up there and I ended up getting a job at the Hungry Trout because they had, I needed a summer job and they had just opened a fly shop there. And I went in, I'm like, dude, I don't know, uh, I really don't know that much, but I could definitely handle this. And that's, you know, uh, that was like 26
1: years ago. Yep, just like that. Yeah. Just like
0: well that. I don't know about just like that but whatever
1: <laughs> yeah yeah wow so yeah there's there's so much there that's uh, I mean there's definitely some um, similar things to what we've heard on the show before you know but some definitely the the uh, Yale grad school um, that's interesting I, I do want to get in you know to the Asamo before we do I, I've been hitting as funny you mentioned the athletics because I've been asking this question at the end of the last few shows with my guests to say hey, you know what kind of sports did you do and I've had everybody yeah. I had Danny Rickards on recently and he said he was close to a professional you know played like almost played with babe ruth back in the day and all oh really thing. cool yeah. yeah it was crazy so but i'm getting this thing like a bunch of fly fisher, a bunch of people that are what
0: position did he play
1: he was uh let's see i think he was third base i believe cool. i believe it was third base i can't remember he played two but um oh and outfield too yeah he was talking about gunning him gunning him in from uh from outfield but but yeah so but there's this theme like sports is a big thing that seems like people had this potential other career what were your three sports
0: well, I was a big soccer player. That was probably my primary sport, and that started off when I was uh, 10 years old. My entire family moved to Florence, Italy, from uh, suburban Boston. My father uh, was in the shoe business; he's a shoe designer, and we moved to Florence, Italy, in 1971 or 70, rather, whatever. Long time ago, and I. Ended- up at this amazing uh, school, there that was a, an American school in, in the city of Florence, and it was fantastic. It was in this incredible villa up on top of the hill. It was called Bello's Guardo, which means beautiful view, and it's now a luxury hotel, actually, but it was like a 14th century villa with a beautiful tower. And overlooking the city. I mean, like the money view, you know. And here we were, a bunch of, uh, you know, all kinds of people. It wasn't all Americans, but it was a really eclectic group of people in this school. It's very small, as you can imagine. I was like 120 kids from nursery to 12th grade, and uh, a lot of expats, a lot of business people, whatever. But, anyways, you know, I was a real tomboy jock kid and I played. And I'm also, you know, I'm 57, man. So, like, back then, there were no, uh, there wasn't any women's sports really other than school, you know, where you had just, there were no clubs. There were, you know, there was no, Hardly any soccer was just starting. There was field hockey and softball and basketball. So I played that. And then I got to Italy and I started playing soccer because that's all they had, which was, you know, but it was awesome. So I got really hooked on it there and then came back. And then I saw that was my fall sport and I played goalie. And then I played basketball for a little while. And that was kind of a weird fit for me, but ended up playing ice hockey, uh, which was my dream because I was like, totally, uh, you know, man, street hockey. We played in Boston or in, you know, the suburbs. And I was, we're talking like 1972 Bruins, man. I could like name, I could tell you like how much Bobby or Wade, you know, I was into it. But again, there were never any teams, you know, and I'd always be like, uh, I hung out with boys and I would, I, I mean, I don't, I don't like to toot my own horn, but I was a pretty good athlete. I was always one of the better athletes out of the group. And I just continued that way. And in the spring, I would play softball, but I was left-handed. I'm actually ambidextrous, but I batted and threw left-handed. And um, I always wanted to play, like, infield. And they would never let left – they don't let left-handers play (laughs) infield, you know. So I was like, what the fuck, man? So – oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to – so I ended up in high school playing lacrosse and loved that. And so – and this is back uh, the wooden sticks – You know, uh, days. And um, so, yeah, those. So then when I got to college, I went to Skidmore College. Um, I wanted to go to an under uh, a a liberal arts college because I was studying art, you know, instead of applying to art schools. I wanted to play. I wanted to play sports, you know. No art schools really have. I mean, they have intramural teams, but I wanted to play intercollegiate. So, ended up going to Skidmore, which was a good liberal art school with an art program. So, played soccer, ice hockey, and lacrosse. Okay. But I played goalie in soccer and ice hockey, and then I spent like a week doing the lacrosse goalie thing, and I was like, dude, that is a very hard ball. <laughs> All right, man. Yeah. Like, that's like, and you don't have the padding that you have in ice hockey. Oh, I was wow. like, I'm out of here. Yeah. You know, so <laughs> I ended up playing center in that. And that's a, I love that sport, man. That's a great sport. Did
1: okay, you ever I mean, play lacrosse? No. What is, is lacrosse? What is it? Is it like a mix between soccer and ice hockey? Come on. <laughs> you don't
0: know what lacrosse is? Well, Where, I, from, no, Where are you from,
1: man? Where are you from? Oregon. I I agree. I, right. well, I do. You have that weird, you have that It's like actually
0: a. Game originated by, I believe, I'm not uh, clear on the tribes, but American Indians in Western New York area in the mm-hmm. Mohawk Valley. Uh, it's a sort of, uh, you know what High is? No. Okay, it's a racket kind of stick. So imagine a stick. Oh, maybe three feet long, with the top of it looks like a br- uh, shaped like a mm, uh, almost a, a cyclone shape. Okay, like a, a a triangle, but cute with a with a bag, like a like a like a a net that would catch a ball.
1: So, so do you okay? get a, do you get to plow people over legally? Yeah,
0: well, in women's, it was actually at that point. um, pretty civil you know and it still is men's lacrosse is very different they were uh, you know yeah. padding and gloves because you, you
1: named uh, you named you well you talked about three sports and two of them yeah. were, were the sports that I played basketball and baseball or softball but mm-hmm. the other three sports that you actually played are all pretty physical sports, right? I mean, you get, yeah,
0: man, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm a definitely physical person. Yeah. Yeah. You you nailed it. So, yeah. So going to something like fly fishing was kind of like, I mean, literally that whole transition from, it was very hard for me to transition from team sports, which really shaped me as an individual too, which I, I think was actually a very good thing. Uh, as far as learning lots of your, you know, life lessons and whatnot, a great way to grow up. And, um, you know, I was, I was lucky. I had a lot of good friends from that that I'm still friendly with. And, um, but yeah, when I got out of school, I'm like, now what do I do, man? I don't have like 10 people around to do. And, you know, I also like just beat the shit out of my body. And, uh, but I loved it. I loved every minute. I was like the kid that, you know, folded their uniform the night before and laid it out, man. I was like, But I was, you know, also, I had some fun, too, you know. I wasn't, like, straight and narrow. But I would say, like, uh, for me, as a 57-year-old woman, now looking back, like, to me, it was kind of, like, bittersweet because it was, it's amazing. In fact, uh, I took a, a very small plane here today from Saranac Lake, New York, and there was only three people on the plane. The plane only seats 10 people. One of the people on the plane was a young woman, in high school and she had hockey equipment with her and we were talking and she was going to play for a junior league team. I mean, which is so cool, you know, that there's that opportunity for women. And there were no opportunities for women in sports other than college when I graduated and to see now what's happened with soccer and all sports, Uh, you know, there are national teams and I'm not saying I was good enough to play any of those, but it would have been cool. I think soccer, I might have had a chance at least for a tryout or something, but it would have been like a cool goal or something. I think I would have definitely gone in that direction yeah. if I had – if there was something there for soccer at least. But gotcha. but then, you know, you end up doing the fly fishing thing and uh, – or the, but I was also an artist, Yeah, too.
1: Yeah, that's a, what I want to check yeah, on because we, we kind of – let's unpack the art just for a second here before we get into some of the, yeah, the fishing. I mean, so, I mean, Yale, when the first thing you hear, Yale grad school, I mean, I guess I just think of a lot of money and like some, some, yeah, some uppity, well, uppity thing. I mean, why – so first, where did art? Like, why – how would you get into art? Why, why, was that, why was that your thing?
0: Well, uh, both of my parents – have a great artistic ability. My dad is a designer and now he's retired and he's an artist. And my mom was always, she kind of was a closeted artist, but she's a great painter too. And um, I just, uh, you know, I think I had that tendency when I was a kid, but I was also a kid in the seventies, man. I like would just watch TV all, you know, as much as I could. So I remember like some of my fondest memories were like, laying on my stomach in front of the TV like coloring or drawing and I was like a just addicted to Mad Magazine. I would probably attribute Mad Magazine to like me learning how to draw cuz I would just copy everything and learn how to, you know, whatever. I just that's what I did and then It was always, uh, I never thought I would go into fine arts. I also have an affinity for, uh, you know, people might turn the podcast off after they hear this, but Broadway musicals. And uh, yeah, okay, so we just lost half the audience. Um, But anyways, for a while there, I thought I might become a scenic artist. And, um, whatever, I just ended up, uh, in, in fine arts and, uh, yeah, I, I kind of, uh, you know, you can't judge a book by its cover, man. You know, I mean, uh, it's funny, but it was interesting to, to have like both sides of the spectrum like that. Not that there is a spectrum, but it, it is sort of true. I mean, stereotypes are true for a reason, right? So a lot of artists aren't the most athletic, or, uh, that, that's not exactly true, but like, for instance, at Yale, I was like, dude, let's go to the Harvard Yale game. It's going to be awesome, you know? And cause how famous is that? Right. That's like the, the, the first tailgate and everybody else is like, yeah, whatever, man, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna watch this plant grow instead or something. But you know what I mean? Like it was, I was like, no, let's do it. But, uh, so yeah, so I've, I'm sort of, uh, a, a living, uh, you know, controversy anyways, because I'm, I'm redheaded. Uh, I've never met you in person, but I look like I could win, you know, like a luck of the Irish contest. Um, My last name is Finn. And if I wore a green turtleneck and an Irish knit sweater, you know, I, I could be like a poster girl, although not, not anymore. I'm too old, but I'm all, but that's, I'm not Irish. I'm Jewish. I, I grew up in, you know, suburban Boston. So I'm completely like, not what I look like. Gotcha. Gotcha. No, this is great. Okay. So, so in, in yeah. 360 degrees, you know, man. So gotcha. it's all good. Okay. Yeah. So we have a
1: good, um, yeah, we have a good background on you here. Well, I, I do want to get into a little bit on the fishing. Um, so, yeah. and we'll come back to this if uh, if we have a little yeah, time do at it. the end. But the, whatever. You know, one of the things I want to, you know, because I haven't ever been, you know, in the um, uh, Adirondacks, but um, in the Asabo and all that. Can you explain what that is like? You know, that area, just to someone who maybe yeah. has never been out there. I mean, why is it so? Because For it's sure. kind of a. Is it a destination spot that people come from around the country to go there?
0: Well, kind of, sorta. First yeah. of all. It's a sable.
1: Oh, a sable. There All you right. go. Thank now,
0: you. now, wait, no, now I am gonna give it to you because in Michigan we have another river spelled exactly the same way. And that ah, is the Osable.
1: That's and that's why I said that because I've interviewed some, some steelhead yeah. people, right? Yeah.
0: And uh, so we are the Osable. So we are actually the West Branch of the Osable. And, um, basically it's a freestone trout stream coming out of the Adirondack chain. Um, it's a, uh, I would say medium sized river, a sort of a typical freestone stream that you would find in the Northeast, whether it was Maine, New Hampshire, or Vermont, uh, you, it has a, a, a pretty, uh, good vertical drop from start to finish mm-hmm. uh it runs north into and what, lake champlain
1: oh, okay and what is what, can you explain freestone versus the other yep. types of rivers you have there What what is a freestone river?
0: yeah sure man uh well a freestone river is just a uh a river uh generally well i'm no biologist so uh you know i don't want like any haters coming on me here man but it's a it's a It's a mountain stream that has no, that is fed generally from tributaries and rainfall. In other words, there's no supplemental uh, water coming from anywhere. Like the next thing that I'm going to talk about, which is called a tailwater. A tailwater is a river that has a dam or multiple dams throughout its system that uh, designates how much and what kind of water goes under or over the top of that dam. So it's controlled flow generally, unless it's an old dam. Sometimes they just let those go, but, uh, is a managed more of a, that's a better term for it in, in my mind's eye is a managed water flow. So, and that has, you know, pluses and minuses to it, of course. But, um, so the other stables, it's just, it's a beautiful mountain stream. Uh, what's interesting about the Aus Sable is that it really is very psychotic in that it changes its character very quickly. Uh, it goes from pastoral, you know, f- slow, beautiful, not a seam, you know, but moving, but, you know, slow flow to, you know, chaotic pocket water. I would say it's uh, most... Uh, famous attribute would be the pocket water, which is some of the most beautiful pocket water. I haven't done that much fishing out west, but I bet you'll ever see anywhere.
1: Are you a skier? Um, I'm kind of snowboarder a little bit, but okay, yeah,
0: okay, okay. So generally, when I take clients out, I say this, I say that. Uh, Eastern fishing is like eastern skiing and western fishing is like western skiing so you're out west and you're like oh it's another sunny day and we just got 24 inches of powder and i'm gonna go (laughs) out and i don't even have to wear a hat because it's so nice out
1: right
0: and then you're like oh i just floated the Green River and caught 35,000 <laughs> 20-inch trout, and it was like, I just learned like three days ago, but like I think I could do better. Is it and not you're that like, easy? Oh.
1: Is it not that easy, dude,
0: dude, come on, man. This is like...
1: um, It's like uh, next level graduate school.
0: Are you a steelheader? Yeah. Okay, so it's like sort of a voluntary beatdown. Okay. In other words, like, okay, so I just like walked my ass off and waited like some of the most unbelievably hard water for nine and a half hours, and I caught one eight-inch brown. And it was awesome. There you go. Okay.
1: Yeah. So. That's it. So, so with your with your clients, you have to be good with uh, their expectations. Then, if they're coming from.
0: Well, I mean, it's not always like that, but I mean, it, it's, it's harder here. I'm not trying to t- t- make any excuses at all, but now I'm not saying the quality of the fish. Now on the Ausable, I would say the Ausable is a destination for many reasons. Um, it's historic, first of all. Okay. In the history of fly fishing in this country, which obviously starts in the Northeast. Okay. It is one of the places you read about, you know, if you pick up Ray Bergman's book called Trout, you know, oh, the West Branch of the Sable and parts of it, the place, you know, one spot I like to fish called the bush country where five pound trout are not uncommon. Hmm. I mean, that's not true anymore. Yeah. I would say that it's a real amazing um what do they call that canary in a coal mine All right. as far as what's happening with climate change for sure. Does that mean there's no good fishing left? No, but it's very vulnerable and very um, it's, it's very, that's, that's the best word to describe it. It's very, it's like very beautiful, huh. very hard very, I mean, it is one of the more beautiful streams you'll ever fish for sure. Yeah. And uh, there are some big fish in there. And you can be bad or good and catch them. I mean, it's challenging, I guess is a great word for it. Another reason to visit that area is we have multiple rivers and, of course, like uh, tremendous flatwater fishing as far as any species, warm or cold, whether it's uh, bass and pike or, you know, big brook trout and whatnot, which we also do. Uh, But the rivers and there's, you know, you got to work a little harder sometimes and and find some stuff off the beaten path. And it will really surprise you. I mean, which is cool because you think, you know, something you're like, ah, you know, I've been there, I've done that. And then all of a sudden out of nowhere, out of a stream, that's, you know, nine feet wide, you'll get a 20 inch wild Brown, Mm. you know, boom. And so it's have yeah, but yeah, expectations yeah. are. Is that the species? Whatever, man. Is
1: that the species that you're mostly targeting or out there? Do you have brook or What? What? Uh, on we there?
0: have brown, brook, and rainbow. I'd say mostly brown and brook trout. Yeah.
1: Uh, and a rainbow. Lot of, yeah.
0: Some rainbow. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, and and in uh, the rainbow. I guess. Yeah. I mean, they're still being stocked out there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We we have a lot of stocking in New York. Um, One of the things about the Osable is uh, it's very susceptible to anchor ice and climate change as well. So we have the extremes on both sides. You know, it gets very, very iced up. Uh, I'm not sure if you know what anchor ice is, but it's very detrimental to trout population. And then, unfortunately, because we are – relied mostly on tributaries and rainfall we get we are also uh we can get some warm some very warm low water too in the last few years i've seen it so yeah that leads me to talk about the climate change thing and uh you know do
1: you you believe in climate change
0: (laughs) no it's 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 beyond being funny for me now man i'm like dude last year i was Very fortunate, and I got invited on a trip to New Brunswick in Canada to fish the Restigouche River, okay, very well known salmon river for salmon at the end of July, which should be pretty good time. And I drove, I decided to drive up there. It's really not that far from me, it was like a nine hour drive or whatever to the north, of course. It was uh, the water temperature there was 78 degrees.
1: Yeah, that's that's pretty hot. There's not much. There's not too many salmonids that. Oh, well, we out. didn't really didn't even fish actually.
0: Yeah. Uh, a little bit in the morning. Uh, actually, I did learn that the Atlantic salmon has the highest temperature tolerance right. of any salmonid, which I did not know. Uh-huh. But still, it wasn't cool, man. I mean, no. it wasn't great. It was depressing as hell. It was 94 degrees temperature. Wow. Yeah. We were, we were basically swimming in the home pool, hanging out. I was at a beautiful place, a beautiful lodge with a great group of people. And that's where it really became, well, it's always been, I think, all about the hang. You know, it's all about like the, it's not really about the fishing. And that's a time when you really find that out, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, and, and the hang the
1: hang is kind of like the, uh, the, the Hawaiian hang or the just kind of chill and drinking a beer, hanging out.
0: Well, not always that, you know, it's, it's a lot of things. I think Uh, it's sort of the whole process really. I mean, it's, it's from when, however you, it could be at like uh, some kind of clinic you went to where it started, you know, and you took casting lessons and you meet all these people, or it could be like you're fly tying night you go to every week or it could be yeah a trip you take with a certain group or or like just standing in the water waiting you know i mean it's not i mean yeah catching fish of course you know i mean dude but that's i think it's about like the way you know you Drove that golf cart off the, off the road in San Pedro, Belize or something, you know, I mean, (laughs) (laughs) whatever, you know, you're just, it's the journey. And I think, uh, you know, it's funny because, uh, I had to read the, uh, complete angler have you ever read it
1: uh i haven't read the whole thing cover to cover but well why yeah. would you
0: really you yeah. know un- <laughs> unless somebody's going to give you an award called the isaac walton award and you're right. kind of like i guess i better read that book right? right so uh so i read it and it's actually that's what uh, walton was like all about the hang man it's actually about a trout bum it's actually oh. trout bum 1753 there you go i mean i'm not kidding that's, and that's, um that's pretty cool you know, you, it's sort of uh, but it's a thread, you know, it's, it's like still, I think the things that people, which is kind of cool, you know, like the things that attracted people to fishing then are still hopefully yep. some of the things hopefully underlined 17,000 times that attract people to fishing now, other than, you know, this is what I did seven minutes ago on my phone you yeah. know type of thing yeah you know That's so right. now i just open up a whole nother can of shit for oh, you
1: man. oh yeah no i know we could uh, this is good i think we're on the right track though because every time you <laughs> bring up a new topic it's something i wanted to ask you so i think I there think you go good can you um i mean when, when is a good time if you're going to go there want to do some fishing when, when would be a good time to hit up the Osable in that area
0: well, I would say at the Hungry Trout, our season we open about the first week of May, second week of May, and we'll fish all the way. I mean, technically, the New York trout season ends on October 15th, but it does continue in catch and release waters uh, all season. And you cannot fish all year round no. up there, but you, we can sneak in some fishing, sure. you know, late October, early November, depending on what you want to do. We also have. Uh, uh, great, uh, you know, flat water fishing for multiple species, uh, salmonids and also warm water. So, uh, we have a full service facility, hungry trout. I mean, they are the reason that I've, uh, amounted to anything really. I just kind of wandered in there one day and saw this fly shop and a little motel and they hired me and I've worked there for over 25 years and, they have just been the best – it's a family-run business uh, currently run by the second generation that I've encountered, Evan and Caitlin Botcher and Jerry Botcher, who uh, sort of the legacy of the place, have been tremendous uh, people. They're basically family to me, and they really put on a great experience. We have uh, two restaurants on the property as well as a fly shop, and it's hmm. – it's everything, you know?
1: That's cool. Yeah, it sounds Yeah,
0: it's great. It's yeah. great. And, you know, I mean, would I go? It's not like the Seychelles Islands, man. Like, <laughs> oh, before I die. I, well, I mean, maybe it is. I don't know what your expectations are, man. And that's really a... a, a fucked up thing too, you know, as far as what people expect. And I mean, you know, it's a really cool experience is what it is. It's a really cool angling experience no matter what you do here. Mm -hmm. And because it's a very different geography for most people, the Adirondacks, I mean, a lot of people envision or have trouble uh, envisioning any kind of uh, vast uh, wild area when somebody says New York. You're like, because yeah, what right. do you think of? You think of like fucking yep. New Year's Eve in Times Square that's when right. you say New York, you know? And I'm saying, hey, go visit New York City. It's awesome, man. I lived there for eight years. It was mm-hmm. great. But uh, you know, this this area, the Adirondacks, or actually I'm sitting in Boston, but Adirondacks are amazing, mm. and as are the Catskills as well. And uh, I would say, uh, you know, are there destinations in the east for sure? If you want the sort of uh, when we say destination, like, am I going to catch a big fucking fish, man? You know, you, you want to go to the Delaware River, which is incredible. And oh yeah, any chance I get, I go fish there, Wh- and I have a lot of what. Sorry. Oh, I was just yep. going to
1: say you, the destination. What I mean, what would be your des- uh, your definition of a destination? Because pl- I know you've been to Alaska and some other. You know, definitely. I mean, what what is a destination spot? What what counts as? And if you think about North America, I guess specifically,
0: I think freaking Paramus, New Jersey, is a destination, dude. Yeah. I mean, if if you make it one, I don't. I think that's totally overrated, dude. Yeah. I'm like uh, a little like I'm I'm losing it on some of the shit that's going on. Like, I mean, guiding for 25 years, okay. Um, I mean, I've been a few places and I'm not, am I the most, I'm a, I'm like, you know, a uh, president of the, uh, overeducated guide anglers club, you <laughs> yeah. know, like yeah. slacker, you know, it's amazing. I, whatever, mm-hmm. uh, whatever I haven't, you know, I'm not the most, I'm motivated for sure. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not a great marketer or whatever, but I haven't been to the Seychelles islands yet. Yeah. And I'm like, I know people that have been fishing for like four years that have been go- going. to. Oh, yeah. I mean, great. I think that's great. I'm not saying that's not good, but I'm just saying like, d- y- y- that's, you're sort of missing. No, that, you're not missing it because that's an, I'm sure it's no amazing to go there. But I mean, it's there, amazing out your back door.
1: Today, the the episode that just published is is an interview I did with uh, uh, Yaku Lucas, who, and we talked about the Seychelles. Jeff Courier, who's caught 400 species on the fly, I've got all over. So, I mean, but the point is, is that I was never into going to those places in my life. I mean, part of it was that, you know, I didn't have the funding to to spend whatever it takes to get over to, you know, uh, Africa or something like that. But but right. I, I was just never into it. I love steelhead fishing. I love just kind of hanging like we're talking about, hanging with the guys, doing the, the the trips locally and, you know, around. But the funny thing is, is now I kind of do have that bug. And and I kind of do have a goal that I want to get out and travel a little more. So and, and that doesn't mean it's right for everybody. It's just that I think everybody goes through their own thing.
0: Well, whatever. I think it's all about. Uh, I mean, the intention is always good for sure. And I think there's a lot of. Uh, pressure on people from medias of different types you know to yeah. do this stuff and yep. i think that's awesome you know for the guys selling it for sure you know i mean but and also the people doing it i'm not saying it's bad dude i'd, I'd give my left breast to go to the i don't know, whatever whatever i don't even i don't even know where these fucking places are farquhar and but i know them You know, because I I look at my Instagram and I I like, oh my God, look at the color of that water. That's Mm -hmm. unbelievable. You know, I mean, that's incredible. And I think it's all good. It's, I'm not saying bad to anything. I'm just saying that like, uh, the, you know, whatever, uh,
1: it's good. good Shit Creek behind your house
0: can be unbelievable. You know, it's all about like your, where your heart is, you know? And I just think like, uh, you know part of me i hate to say this i really hate to say this but it's so it, i really feel it's it's relevant is that uh, i'm sort of glad that when i you know sort of developed as a, a human being and as somebody in the fly fishing industry that some of the technologies that we have did not exist because they they just make for such a warped existence of how much, I mean, it's great how much information we see. Social media? Yeah, I'm talking, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Like, dude, like, uh, first of all, I'm not good looking enough to make it on social media (laughs) now. That's another thing. But uh, second of all, like, I mean, you were just kind of like, uh, not that you were alone at all. But you, I mean, uh, you made relationships, but it was a little harder. I mean, I I love some of the benefits of social media as well. It's incredible, yeah. but it's also, you know, I think it's a very sharp edge it's on really, both sides of that bad. sword have you, for have sure. You
1: seen the, uh, have you seen the new thing they have? It's like a, a back brace that you put on that helps uh, take care of your your issue you have because you look at your phone with your head down, they have these.
0: (laughs) Oh, it's well, well, you know, I have four of those because I have four dogs and they're called shock collars.
1: (laughs) There you go. That's awesome.
0: (laughs) That's exactly
1: what we need. I mean, if you're bumping, I heard something about New York city. Here's my idea
0: for a million dollar invention. I used to be a ski instructor, right? Yeah. And I'm actually a telemark skier, but I, I instructed beginners and whatever intermediates in Alpine as well at Whiteface Mountain where I live which is incredible and uh you know one of the things about skiing is people like to lean back because you're in this really stiff boot and you couldn't be any were further from the truth you know you need to really be forward but not bent you know basically you have to have your shins touching uh the tongue of that ski boot And that's how you have contact and control over the skis and your center of mass, blah, 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 blah. But I was like, dude, I'm going to make like a thing that goes on the back of the ski boots. So whenever your the back of your calf touches it, it goes, you know, like you feel a little like what you're talking about. You know, same idea. They have one for slouching.
1: Yeah, that's a great idea. You, should, you know, then I could that. have
0: avoided one of the 17 surgeries that I've had, yeah. but, uh, not yeah. 17, I'm kidding, I'm <laughs> kidding. But, uh, no, I've had my share of health issues for sure. And yeah. that's, uh, you know, into the whole thing of, I, I do want to say this, uh, I, and I, I really, uh, April Voki wrote a great, uh, thing about being a guide. So you want to be a guide, blah, 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 yeah. blah. And I think she really covered a lot of very relevant issues on that. Yep. I would like to add to that, that being a guide, I mean, because now it looks so sexy and everything on, on Instagram yep. and to, but it's, it's like, dude, you, you better figure it out. Like, what are you going to, I don't know, what are you going to do in the winter? You know, uh, how are you going to pay for your health insurance if you have it? Um, That's right. That's what happens right. when you get sick? you know, I had cancer. Oh, wow. Uh, what happens? Uh, I had a knee replacement that went bad. I had to have two of them on the same knee. Jeez. You know, what happens when you can't work when your body. So what happens in, when you lead a life of crushing your body Yeah. and then you get older, I mean, you know, and shit, you can be the best person as far as taking care of yourself. I was not, uh, believe me. Anybody that knows me knows that, but, uh, shit happens yeah. you know so so you know it's it's yeah so real sexy to be like i'm on the cover of blah 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 holding this and you know what happens like when you know you you can't make your mortgage payment you know because you whatever happened to you i don't know i mean that's where like people need to and 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 a lot of people do it and then make it happen but Mm -hmm. it's not for everybody you know i mean it's not like this uh blanket thing that everybody can do it. And it's not really even about fishing.
1: It's about being with people exactly, and,
0: and relating to them. Well, that's and why like, I'm telling you, yeah. it's like the hang dude. That's yeah. the hang.
1: That, that's why I think you're, I'm glad you said that because I do occasionally touch on, you know, in these interviews a little bit on how people have made it in fly fishing. And cause I, am interested just to hear how people have done it. And, but that is a good point that, yeah, you got to think about those things before you get into it. I was going to ask you if you had a tip for a, for somebody new to it, but I think that's probably a good one. Just realize that. Oh, my yeah. tip
0: would be to like marry into a rich family, which I did not do, but, uh, you know, I mean, cause you better have a way to make some money cause yeah. you're not going to make a lot of money.
1: Well now given that, I mean, you, you know, yeah, yeah. Gi- but that's,
0: that's not everything. I'm not saying that's everything, but no. I'm not saying a lot of money. I'm saying like enough money. Yeah. You know, depending on where you live.
1: That's it. That's it. Yeah, I guess if you live in wherever, Hawaii or New York City, you need to make a little more money than if you lived in Wisconsin, probably.
0: Or you, or maybe live in a place that has, or travel, as many guides do. I mean, part of me was kind of like, dude, I never thought I'd be a fly fishing guide, you know? I mean, yeah. I'm like, I got in there really late, actually, comparatively to what people are doing now. But, I mean, if I were younger, I would certainly absolutely work like the, you know, uh, be, and there are, are, are very few people that do the whole season like worldwide. And that's, That's I mean, uh, Yako does, you know, he does some, he does a lot of destination stuff, but there's a million guys that we've never heard of that are doing that and working their balls off doing it. And, uh, you know, and, and making a living you know, and they have a home that they're at like nine days a year, you know, and those are the people, and it's not just guys. There are some women doing that too. And, um, I don't mean any bad by that at all, but, uh, you know, that's what it's about. It's, it's, it's not a glamor job, man. It's hard. It's really, you're living on the edge of, but it's, you know, it's a choice, you know, and, and I'm, uh, would I make a different choice? I don't think so. I mean, maybe I would, I would start it earlier because mm-hmm. I would have loved, I did work in Alaska, which was truly amazing. Yeah. I wanted to get uh, that too. Yeah. It was fucking incredible. I was very lucky with that. Um, uh, but I would have done like the South America thing in the winter, mm-hmm. you know, cause I'm a trout bum all, all, you know, give me that 24 uh, seven. I did, I, I used to, so I worked in that fly shop in New York, right? And yeah, was that the uh, defunct, many years was, ago, was
1: there a defunct fly shop in there? Is that the Manhattan custom tackle?
0: Yeah, it's called Manhattan custom tackle. And it was kind of like the underbelly of fly shops ever to exist. Uh, because New York is known as New York for sure. And we have the urban angler, which is a fantastic shop really like the Bonwit teller of, which is a high end uh, department store, sort of a boutique department store. There's only one you know, or, well, there actually a couple there were, but, but it's not, it's like a Barney's it's not like a, a Sears. It's like a, uh, a very nice, the, the, probably the nicest fly shop in the country, you know, beautiful, uh, well-appointed, everything high end. And then there was us, we were kind of like, you know, not primarily a fly shop either. We, we were rod building and we had conventional tackle and everything. And it was cool. And I worked the front, and then the guy that owned the place worked in the back, and he. This was at the beginning of the internet, and we sold everything from you know New York fishing licenses to uh, Marabu to custom made uh, beautiful rods. They made beautiful rods of all kinds. When did not the just, shop open? You know, up?
1: When did what? Do um,
0: the guy that started the shop was he's a great guy. His name is Phil Koenig. And when he started the shop, he started it in fucking Chinatown in a loft. Do,
1: do okay? you know what year it was? Ah, uh, it had to be just guesstimate. Um, guesstimate would be maybe early eighties. Well, my dad had a fly shop, and but before it was a fly shop, it was it was called Stuart Custom Tackle, and it, it, uh-huh. you're, you're describing exactly what it was was a. He had he had a lot of fly fishing, but he had a lot of tackle. Rod building was big, and it was just a custom service. But it sounds very. Similar. Where was that? In in Oregon, out outside of Portland. Uh
0: huh. Um. Yeah. Man, this guy was he's he was an amazing rod builder. Unbelievable, you know. And uh, he would grow a couple of his fingernails extra long. Sweet. Um. Like his uh, pinky and the other whatever I don't know ring finger I guess. And he could, like, lift up threads with those nails while he was, you know, all on a motor thing. He could wrap a rod in, like, fucking seven minutes, man. And he had this other guy from um, the Philippines, maybe. That guy was amazing. These guys were amazing. And they would do, you know, whatever. They would do fancy wraps. But they did everything from... Conoflex, do you know what those are no they were surf rods dude they were like from england like big and
1: yeah big rods. oh my
0: god like a pole vaulting pole it looked like a push pole i mean unbelievable to like uh whatever noodle rods everything and then and then, but it was brutal dude because we'd be like a new york you know a lot of these businesses even the urban angler itself which is a beautiful store is on the second floor of a building so you could walk right by and not even know it's there okay you have to know it's there to go there so which i mean think about it if you're a retail store how hard that is right, right. and so we were the same way so like literally some days you know i would uh, you know z out the register we made like forty. $2 and seven cents, you know, and the rent was like two grand, you know, this was a log. Okay. So then the next day, like some guy would, and it was on the second floor. So we, and this, you know, it was a really like the logo was imagine the red circle, like the no pebble mine. Okay. You know, the no pebble mine, the red circle with the slash, right? Yeah. So that was there. And then there was a bait hook, under the slash okay <laughs> and the logo said Manhattan custom tackle no small chill oh wait no no live bait keep screaming children outside that wow. was the like Not our right. logo oh yeah that was way total way <laughs> and um this place was unbelievable I don't even know how I got involved I was great it was a great experience so Then the next day after I sold like $43 and seven cents worth of beads or marabou or shit, some dude would get off the plane from Copenhagen and come in and order $25,000 worth of custom made spay. We were making spay rods and we were, uh, the first East coast dealer for, do you remember? I don't know how old you are, but there were these unbelievable reels from Jack Charlton, Mm -hmm. which were called Charlton reels. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and he also at towards the end he's, uh, been he's passed, yeah, but he made the right. Mako as well, uh, which was the how they still exist. But if anyways, so we had some amazing stuff. But literally, that's how it went. It went from barely a pulse to you know, boom, you know, and it was crazy in there, man. And it was it was just so cool. I was exposed to. A lot of really uh, interesting people, uh-huh. and I learned a lot. And then I bailed from New York and moved to the
1: Adirondacks well, full time. What and, do you think was the biggest thing that you learned from working there? Let's say one.
0: Oh, I think I, that's where the hang started, man. No
1: kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty cool. Wow. For
0: sure. For sizzle. You know, that's totally where the hang started. No kidding. That's totally where the hang. Started. Oh yeah, man. So the back room of that place, like,
1: describe oh, it was. A, a, take, take me, take me to the back room. Like just describe <laughs> what it looked like.
0: Well, no, you got to go through the front room to get to the back room because I could spend an entire day in there. So we, it was. It wasn't like
1: how big was the the shop?
0: It was like a bowling alley, like one lane of a bowling alley. It was like uh, a railroad apartment without any rooms in it. It was. Uh, it was the length of the building, okay, so whatever, long and maybe thirty feet wide. and then there was a back room and then had windows in front, you know, and up this up a flight of stairs and then we had a glass uh cabinet thing running down three quarters of it. and this was back in the early 90s, late 80s, and you could still smoke inside in certain places. So the owner was a huge smoker, and um, I'm not a cigarette smoker. So, the, But the, the place had like, it was like a bar. Yeah. There were ashtrays like every five feet down <laughs> the thing. So I could easily spend the entire day. Like, so then they had rod racks full of rods, and he was actually an authorized sage builder. Huh. And um, just beautiful rods, you know, on the rack, and I could wipe them down with a rag, and the whole thing was like yellow from nicotine, you know. I mean, I'm sure I'll get lung cancer eventually. Well, you
1: said you here, had cancer. You said you had cancer. Well, right? I didn't
0: have lung cancer, oh, but yeah, yeah probably uh, whatever. So, anyways, then and you know, we sold everything from like, uh, you know, clouser minnows to, uh, you know, big casting lures and rods and whatever up front and reels. And then in the back, he had some uh, machinery and they would fabricate. uh, Well, first they started making like stripping guides for rod building. And actually they were some of the first people to make titanium stripping guides. They were making their first titanium stripping guides one of the guys that was his buddy was this guy we used to call Big Jack he was awesome and he worked at a machine shop for the city of new york in brooklyn the shop itself was like 3 quarters of a mile long this guy was a very talented machinist and an, an avid fly angler and he could do anything on a lathe man or, or see, he could do anything in fact he gifted me an amazing his version of a renzetti master uh, Vice that's, I think, even better than the original Renzetti. But anyways, so they would tinker back there. And, and there was, yeah, there were substances flying around the whole place and whatever. And then you'd have, you know, a bunch of Puerto Rican guys come in for licenses. And then the next guy that would come in would be Nick Lyons, the writer you know, his, his office was right around the corner, you know, and then like some guys that were going on a trip somewhere, you know, and they got kicked out of urban angler because like they were going to, uh, they weren't going to the Seychelles islands. They were only going to go fish the East branch of the Croton, you know, so they, they didn't want to really wait on them. So they would come in. I mean, because fly shops are kind of cool, right? They're kind of people want to come in and talk, you know? So I, that was, I was good at that. So I was, it was fun, you know, man. And, but that's where, you know, oh Tom Calicchio, the the chef guy, used to come in and buy stuff. No and, uh, oh yeah, because we were right by Fourteenth Street. So, and I learned a lot about uh, technical stuff there. And then I used to call. I made calls for uh, ordering stuff. And I called this dude out in California that made these fly reels. This was, you know, a long time ago. This was there was a big. Um, explosion of fly rail companies in the united states especially that started making pretty decent reels for not a lot of money and this guy that made these reels they were called teton and tioga i became friendly with him just from ordering over the phone and he hired me to start working fly fishing shows for him so i went to my first like iftd show oh a million years ago in utah In Salt Lake. And that's where I started meeting people from the fly fishing industry. Right. And I was like, dude, these people are fucking awesome, man. I mean, like, not like New York Art World, like, you know, and you are, you know. I mean, they were, like, really nice people, you know. And I'm like, this is, like, where it's at, man. Yeah. And uh, ended up meeting a guy at a booth in uh, North Carolina at the first Charlotte show. I had a booth next to him, I had the Tetons, and uh, this guy was the guy that hired me for uh, Alaska, Ed Blank, great guy. I mean, you know, it was like all, so I started meeting everybody I met, that's where I met Ann Murphy, who you should do a a podcast with, she's great. And um, I met everybody, you know, back in the day, I don't know what the day was, whatever, my day.
1: And is that when Alaska, so you did a bunch of trips like 10 years up to Alaska, is that when that all started? Yeah,
0: that was probably, uh, mid eighties or no, uh, mid nineties.
1: Where were you headed and then, to Alaska? Yeah. Uh,
0: we guided and my husband, Jeff did that with me oh, okay. actually, uh, and Ed Blank. Uh, so there are three of us gotcha. and, um, uh, we did that in the, uh, Katmai National Park in Bristol Bay. We, we floated the, um, um, Alagnac river, which is a popular river. Then we did the American Creek, which was incredible. And also the Moraine Creek, which was pretty cool. And we did that, like I said, just for maybe 11 weeks was the most we did. But not a – I mean, a float season is a different season than a lodge season, you know, for
1: sure, man. That's right. Hard work. Yeah, it is. It is. So you had people – Awesome work, though. Awesome work. Did you have people coming in, flying in to meet you up there?
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'd meet in King Salmon and, uh, you know, do the trip out of there. And actually, I'm headed back there in the fall. I'm very excited. To uh, you know, uh, it was funny because we used King Salmon as just a a, a jump-off point. You know, uh, we would take our float plane. Uh, that's where you'd fly from Anchorage, and then uh, fly a float plane from there to wherever we were floating. And meanwhile, you're right on the Naknek River, which is uh, unbelievable. You know, and uh, all these years, I've always been like, "Look at those rainbows, dude! Look at those rainbows in the fall." You know, they're not steelhead; they're rainbows. And uh, I'm like, dude, I got to catch those, man. So I'm going with a bunch of my buddies, uh, all women's trip. And we're going to fish with Kate Taylor, who mm. uh, also is a Patagonia fly fishing ambassador with me. She's the bomb. Mm. And that's going to be great mm-hmm. in uh, late September. So I'm very excited about that. Yeah, man.
1: So you get in there before the before the snow hits.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, but it, it's all two-handed, which I really love. I love okay. the swing flies. Yep.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna to have to have you back on for another episode to talk more about some of the the fishing tips and stuff because I think we uh, well we're I'm, not going to have I'm to a, I
0: have the gift of gab. What can I say? I'm the daughter of a salesman. Uh, but uh, I was recently at a, an awards banquet and there was an auction, a charity auction, and they auctioned off lunch with me. So yeah. uh, you know That's we can make cool. it fun. Wow. Well, yeah.
1: Okay.
0: All right. Rapid fire me away.
1: Best advice you uh, were ever given that you can remember.
0: If you're gonna make a mess, make a big mess.
1: Nice. Okay. That's art school. Art school. That's right. Good. Yeah. Good. Okay. Jokes were kind of common. Do you do you hear any new jokes these days?
0: You know, I'm uh, terrible at remembering jokes, and uh, you know, it, it, it's. I think it has something to do with lots of paint thinner and lacquer thinner and whatever. So, yeah, so the only jokes that I can remember were jokes for when I worked in a children's ski school. So here's my, you know, here's one of them. What do you call a fake noodle? Hmm. An impasta. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) I mean, you know, so there you go. I'm not on the circuit uh, currently, but yeah.
1: Other than Greece, what's your favorite musical?
0: Oh, Greece is. Forget it. Dude. I
1: like love Greece. You just insulted me. <laughs> Gonna see eye to eye on this one.
0: Dude, like, you totally fucking. Oh, you bummed me out, man. Uh...
1: <laughs> <laughs> was Greece a musical? It was a musical, wasn't it?
0: Oh, yeah, it was a musical, of course. Was it popular? But... Was it what?
1: Was it popular?
0: Popular, yes. Oh, of course. Yeah. No, and it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. I yeah. mean, but. Um, I'm a huge fan of a guy named Steven Sondheim, oh,
1: yeah. who,
0: uh, is a little more of an eclectic, uh, writer, but he wrote, uh, for instance, he he's written many of his own musicals. My favorite would be, uh, Sunday in the park with George, but just to give you an idea, he wrote the, uh, lyrics to West Side Story, you know, and a lot of other famous stuff, uh, into the woods, blah, blah, blah.
1: What is your favorite? You, you uh, do you still smoke stogies? Oh, yeah, man. What, what's your, do you have a go-to stogie that somebody can find out there if they wanted to? I have, I have a good oh, friend yeah, of mine absolutely. who Oh, yeah, absolutely. If you're going to come see
0: me, bring me, uh, well, I would love a box, but they're quite ex- It's not like a Cohiba expensive, but yeah. I like a Punch Rothschild Double Maduro.
1: Punch Rothschild.
0: Double Maduro.
1: Double Maduro, That's, okay. Yeah, it's dark, dark, All yeah. Right. I'll, I'll, throw, I'll throw some of these links in the show notes for people that want to check them out. Do you have a favorite uh either musician or band or type of music?
0: Well, I would say again I'm a real well as far, I like all kinds of music. Like my playlist would freak people out cuz I could go from Broadway and currently I'm obsessed with uh of course, I went through the Hamilton phase. Uh, I haven't seen it yet. I apply for the online lottery almost on a daily basis. But uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of, uh, well, who who couldn't love George Gershwin? Ooh. I mean, come mm-hmm. on, man. He's like the Babe Ruth of American music. Okay. Uh, Stephen Sondheim, again, I yep. will revert to. But then again, I could listen to uh, The Old Who with which my brother was just down underneath me right now with i'm talking keith moon man okay. like that kind of stuff i love like the rock from yeah from then you know and the old stones like this, and like everything i'm not much of a metal person you know never have been but yeah. i can live with pretty much anything what is the old uh, stones what, what would
1: be a song from the old stones versus the new you mean like the 60s 70s stones
0: yeah yeah, yeah. and you know uh Goat's head soup, you know. I and mean, get your yayas out. Sympathy for the devil.
1: What, what was that one?
0: Oh yeah, um, yeah, that. Yep, yeah, for sure. Back then, you know, just the sort of the beginning of what we, uh, I guess, call the classic rock. But uh, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty much, you know, I'm. I love some of the country. I mean, I listen to Sirius XM. I listen to, of course, the Broadway Channel, which to me is like, you know, there were certain things that I would never thought I would see in my lifetime that I've already, you know, seen. Like, for instance, would ninety thousand people ever go watch women play soccer? Back when I played soccer in college, I'd be like, no fucking way, man, right. ever
1: yeah. no. that
0: happened. We had a black president already. That's amazing. You know, I, I have a, a radio channel where I can listen to Broadway show tunes 24 hours a day. I mean, huh. like, th- it's actually happening. Yep. That's... I'm kidding. No, it's, I'm actually, that's, it's, it's, I'm that, that's how deep I'm in, man. But um, I also like, uh, you know, I like the, uh, some of the country stations. I like Outlaw Country, you know, which is, so I could listen to like, you know, Sinatra, I could listen to the Violent Femmes. I mean, it's all yeah. good.
1: It's all good. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. Okay. What's your
0: favorite? What's your favorite band?
1: Uh, my favorite band is well, I mean, yeah, like you, Johnny Cash, uh, Willie Merle. Mm-hmm. I, I love all the old school guys. I do. Yeah, classic rock. I mean, I was definitely in a Pink Floyd phase. A great. Uh-huh. I love I love the Grateful Dead. Um, Yeah, I like
0: the Grateful Dead.
1: Yeah, Grateful Dead. um, But I'm
0: not like a Deadhead. No, oh man, and this one, Jerry was wearing like a purple shirt, you (laughs) know. And I'm like, whatever. No,
1: no, I love I love the Dead story because the Dead is is cool because I think they only had one number one hit their entire you know, history or something like that it was crazy. Really? Yeah. But, the, but the cool thing is, is that they created this, your hang, right? They created this hang that, that, yeah,
0: man, exactly. And that's why yeah, the it that was
1: that powerful. Thing. Totally. And that's why they were so powerful is that they, they said, screw mainstream media and number one hits. They just wanted to hang out and, and have fun. Your top two flies. Uh, if you had to pick two for trout, I would say girdle bug
0: size eight, probably coffee and black. Uh huh with brown legs, sort of var- variegated legs. Uh, and then for a dry, depends on where I was fishing, I would pick a fly called uh, the Osable Bomber, which is would be a big, bushy, big size fly, or a fly called the Usual. Both flies were originated uh, a half mile from my house. Oh, cool. By, by Francis Bedders. So that's a cool thing. All right. All
1: right. Perfect. Perfect. And I'll, I'll put some links in for those two. Um, how about your top two uh, tips for somebody that's want, is struggling catching fish?
0: Uh, I would say, first of all, hire a guide. Yeah. Because uh, I do when I go fishing in a place that I've never been. And second of all, like, just sort of go down. I mean, it's a process of elimination really. Mm -hmm. Right. If you think about it, like, okay, so I'm fishing small flies. I'm not catching anything. Well, how about catching big flies, fishing, big flies, you know, go through in your, I don't even know how to describe that, but like, you know what I'm saying? Like say, okay, if this isn't working, don't be afraid to think outside the box or don't be afraid to sort of be, you know, yeah. very, uh, decisive in, in different, just think, think about different ways. Oh, here's, here's what I like to say. Okay. And this is true. I actually say this, uh, before you change the fly, change the way you fish the fly.
1: Hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, okay. I'm fishing a dry fly. I'm dead drifting it. It's not, nothing's happening. Oh, I made a mend and a fish went after it. And then you look at the guy and you're like, so what do you think about that? And he's like, I don't know. I'm like, well, maybe they want it moving. Right. Yep. I mean, not on the Delaware river, of course, but oh, it's happened, but not too often. But I mean, that's like saying, uh, I skittered a fly at the, um, ranch section at Harriman. You know, I mean like that doesn't happen, <laughs> you know, that's like Dead drift, you know, on the snake, you know, I mean, like a trout hunter, you know, you're like, that's like the dead drift capital of the world with the Delaware River, you know, as well, size 20 ant or something, you know, but where I live, we have a lot of pocket water, we we move flies, we fish flies as if they were alive.
1: Hmm. Mm hmm okay
0: but yeah use that one man if you don't before you change the fly change the way you fish the fly
1: gotcha that's good how about your top two uh resources that might be a book or magazine or video do you have anything out there that comes to mind
0: my resources are uh people man
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that's a good one <laughs> Do you have any top people or mentors that that uh, have helped you? Oh,
0: man. There was this dude named Herb that I hung out with forever. I can't even remember his last name. Nice. He weighed about 350 pounds. He was amazing. And he wore the Seal dry waders, okay? Do you remember those? Yeah. They were made out of latex.
1: That's right. The
0: dude was 350 pounds. Yeah. I mean, just think about that. But he was fucking unbelievable. Yeah. He he was unbelievable. He fished like three flies all year, you know? And he was just like, he was, he was, he was money. He mm. was money and he smoked cigars. That's where I learned to smoke cigars. And he, I would hang out with him. And in the beginning we would compete for the fishing spots, you know, and, it, it, but I could out, you know, run them for sure. But he was a good fisherman and, uh, we were friends forever, you know? uh there and uh I'll tell you what I think Lori Ann Murphy's a badass.
1: Mm-hmm. Cool. Cool. Yeah. yeah, I don't I've heard the name for uh, quite a bit actually, but I Oh,
0: I, I you got to talk to her, man. She's yeah, she's the real deal. And uh one of the for forerunners. I mean not a for well, absolutely a forerunner for women in fly fishing, not yeah. the first or the whatever that, but she has a lot of firsts that are quite impressive and uh good friend of mine and she uh great angler and just at some of that great juju that people have that guide that you swear you'd drive off a cliff with them but you have no idea why
1: yeah <laughs> that's that's good but to have, you have those just people have this
0: like way to have this way that you trust them like you have guides like that in your life like Sometimes I'll even do that, whether it's been a good idea or a bad idea. I have like an intuitive idea where I'm like, dude, you know, we're in one place. I'm like, I just, we need to go to this place. And some, you know, and sometimes it's, it works, you know, and somebody, but somebody's willing to like say, okay, not like, why are we leaving fish to find fish or whatever, right. you know, right. or some kind of textbook answer, you know, but like, she's just got what it, you know, an interesting Outlook on things, where and she's she's good people, and uh, you know, come on, Joan Wolf, man, she's she's the bomb, man. She's always, I mean, I have uh, the ultimate respect for her, for yeah. sure. Uh, for so many women, and there's so many women that nobody even knows about, and I, I, I have. I've, you know, spent some great time with some of the greats. I spent like a a day with Lefty Cray at his house and we did casting lessons, which was, you know, memorable and Mm. all that stuff. But I mean, there, that's the great thing about the fly fishing community. There's so many, everybody is so, uh, generous.
1: Do you remember what you, uh, you learned from Lefty that day?
0: A few things. Oh, I learned the curve cast. I was doing it, man. I was fucking curve casting like a, Badass, and then when I of course got home, I'm like, I couldn't do it. I'm like, how am I gonna remember all this? I also learned how to um, hit the ketchup on the 57 because we went to Denny's for breakfast, and uh, I was having trouble. I'm not kidding you, having trouble with the ketchup uh-huh. coming out. And he said, hit it on the 57, and he was fucking right, man. Oh well, he had 101 tips for everything. He did. Not, yeah, not just not just uh,
1: not just fishing. You know,
0: fishing. Yeah, he'd be like, you know when I'm getting off the highway, I always remember the exit before I get off. So I know the exit I get off, you know, I mean, I mean in, in like a half an hour, I, I I mean, it was unbelievable with him. Yeah. He was great. He was a great guy. That's awesome. Great guy. They, they're all great, man. They're all great. we were very lucky. And one, one last thing I want to say, and then I'll let you get rid of me, uh, is, uh, you know, uh, all this stuff we talk about and all the fishing from, any corner of wherever you are in the world is, is wonderful. And we're acquiring a, a history and there's a history before us that's really important to preserve. Yep. And, uh, you know, places like the American Museum of Fly Fishing, and there's a museum in the Catskills as well, you know, are, are places that we need to sort of keep track of and maybe help support Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, besides all the environmental stuff that we need to get behind, you know, I mean, I'm not saying, oh, we need another, we have another cause, but we yeah. sort of do. I, I would say, you know, obviously environment and our world comes first and you should talk to me a whole show about working with Patagonia because they've changed my life in a way that's uh,
1: remarkable. So I know. I know I, I actually, one of my, you know, I know we've been on the right track this even though we haven't talked much about fishing, or at least the, the tips and tricks, I'm happy because, you know, the American Museum of Fly Fishing I've wanted to to touch on, I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes. And Patagonia, you know, it, I can tell you if I get, um, you know, the founder on my show, eventually you'll know I'll be – that will be a happy day for me because that's somebody that um, I'm not sure if it's ever going to happen, but I'd love to chat with him. and hear. I'd it. love to chat with him. I know. I know. <laughs> but, I, you know, on the history thing – Cool um, dude, man. On the history piece <laughs> – you know, this show I hope will be out for for many years to come because part of my thing is I'm trying to document that history, and that's that's a big part of of what I'm trying to do. So, cool. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you threw out a lot of these names today, and um, and it feels to me like we've had this has been more of a hang conversation than than a tips and tricks. So I hope that was okay.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I I can do the tips and tricks thing, you know, if you want, but uh, this is more really it, my game this you know i mean whatever it, it's all good
1: yeah. yeah yeah do you have any um well let me give you two final ones um sure so i guess in the next uh, six to 12 months is there anything um you know we can expect anything new coming out or you said you've got a trip is that alaska trip coming up
0: uh that'll be in september um headed to belize in two weeks just for a fun trip uh, my own trip uh, with Jeff and a couple of buddies, and we're going to visit Lori She lives down there, and oh, guys down there, and uh, we're going to do mostly DIY fishing, which is really fun. And that's something I had not done a lot of in destinations like that. And it's pretty cool. I mean, it's a whole different deal, you
1: know. But it's really fun. I mean, you, you hit on D- you you hit yeah. on the, the the nail on the head again because you know I mentioned the destination, but this season, season three that we're in, I'm trying to, where I can connect the DIY with destination is the ultimate goal because I'm trying to, I'm trying to provide opportunities for people that don't have the five or $10,000 to do the trip. Maybe they can do some of these cool places. So I'm definitely going to have to circle back with you on maybe the Belize down the line.
0: Oh, Belize for sure. And also the hungry trout, man, you can DIY up there. If you, let's say you live in New York city, you know, I mean, and you're five hours away, you could do a weekend for two, I don't even know what it's going to, it's, it's totally doable. We do packages with, uh, meals included and guiding included and, you know, it's very reasonable Perfect. and, uh, you don't need $10,000. I think, you know, two people could probably do it for a thousand dollars for a weekend, you know, uh, with two days of, I, I don't even know. I'm not a money person, but, uh, you know, very doable. And yeah. and and you could even do one day with a guide and then do your own DIY fishing. Very easy to do on the outside. I mean, it's always better to have a guide for sure. But yeah. you could easily, you know, have like 27 years of fishing, <laughs> you know, that you'll never see in a weekend. But to get the lay of the land, I always say get a guide at least for a half day. And tell them what you're doing, too. Tell them you're trying to get the lay of the land.
1: Okay. And, uh, and so what's your plan for the next, uh, you know, 10, 20 years? You do, uh, do you have uh, a game plan or (laughs) are you just kind of going with it?
0: Well, you know, I kind of go with it. Uh, I'm obviously, uh, I, we didn't really talk about art at all. That would be a whole nother discussion. Uh, I make a lot of art that has a lot to do with fishing Mm. and I, you know, I mean, I'm trying to stay, uh, proactive on my health, especially having some ill health in my past, you know, so I hope to stay healthy, which I currently am and, uh, to guide as uh, long as I can. Don't like it anymore. The Mm -hmm. day that I don't like it, I'm not going to do it. You know, why don't, why should I watch you fish? You know, but, uh, I, I, I love it, you know, so to do that and also get more, uh, maybe a little more proactive on trying to get my art out there. I'm not a great marketing person at all. Right. And, uh, that's never been my strong point. So yeah. try and figure out how to get, uh, you know, more fishing people to look at it, uh, and, mm-hmm. and whatever, but yep. to also travel and, uh, enjoy, uh, anywhere I go. You could get at me, uh, through the hungry trout as well. Hungry trout, fly fishing or hungry And uh, we are both – both of those are also on the uh, Instagram and Facebook as well. And also, I would like to – that's a great place to go. Like if you live in the Northeast and you have a family that – because nobody talks about that. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're going to go to a destination, you've got like – your buddies with you what if you have a family exactly. you know and you've got all yep. these little kids and you can't get away for a week no. by yourself you know no. so we are actually a great place to go in the northeast that's got other shit to do that oh, people cool. for people that don't fish yeah for kids for adults and not just shopping you know right. all kinds of stuff yeah and um, that's a you know that's the real life things you think about you know yeah no. not, not uh you know Whatever, I'm not at all. Uh, but uh, I mean, yeah, I think about that, of course. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, so yeah. it's a it's a real life vacation, and it's also got some pretty good fishing every now and then, you know.
1: So there you go. If you want to find all the show notes with all the links we covered, just go to wetflyswingcom slash and if you get a chance, also, please leave a rating and a review on, uh, for this episode. Let me know how, what you think of the show. I'd love to uh, read one of these uh, out loud here. Head over to wetflyswing.com members uh, to find out how to support the show and our member companies. Thanks again for stopping by to check out the show today. I'm looking forward to catching up with you soon and hope to maybe see you on the river or online. Thanks for listening to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show. For notes and links from this episode, visit wetflyswing.com. And if you found this episode helpful, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes.